Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome, welcome to Tech Events Matter, a series of interviews of mentors, alumni, and friends of startup Sesame, who all share one thing in common, they attend events as part of their jobs, uh, quite a lot of them. On this new episode, we interviewed Therese Gida, uh, an entrepreneur and keynote speaker based in Stockholm. In 2013, Therese launched 30 Minutes MBA, an award-winning startup helping organizations grow and engage their employees with mobile learning. She was part of Startup Sesame Season 2 between 2016 and 2017. It's the first time we have a startup founder here on the show. Hi, Therese. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm amazing. Well, thanks to you, I'm like full of energy here. In awesome. Yes, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing? How is everything over there? Well, it's great. It's uh, extremely hectic. Uh, the event season, as you know, is uh, upon us. So there's a lot of travel. I will be on the road for five weeks. And wow. um, just a note on the Startup Sesame. I remember the moment when we, we had the interview with you. And, um, and then after, we were waiting for that email to see if we got in. And that, that feeling that we got in was amazing. So guys, if you don't know what Startup Sesame is... And if you haven't been part of it yet, apply next time they open it up because it's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, that's lovely to hear. And since the, the time you apply, which was kind of the beginning of the program, we had one more season after this, which closed uh, like right now in March. Mm-hmm. And we just onboarded the new batch of startups, uh, 14 companies from all over Europe, different yeah. um, you know, businesses, a very exciting group of people. They are in for training. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, awesome. They are like, yeah. I know that some people would like to stay, you know, like uh, keep being a seasoner for one more year. Why wouldn't we want? <laughs> Tell me, what is, what is 13 Minute MBA? Um, what is it? Right. Um, so, you know, only 15% are engaged in their work globally. 15% are engaged in their work globally, which is 15. insane. One, one five. One five, yes. 85% are not engaged. We... Um, it's time to reimagine the workplace. It's time to change how businesses run. And all of this plays well into future work. And, and the fact that companies, especially the companies that are putting people first, that are prioritizing culture, they are doing really well. And there is definitely companies that have been doing that for a long time, like Southwest Airlines. Um, but a lot of companies haven't really 
done the transformation yet. We talk a lot about the digital revolution, right? And mm-hmm. But another thing we see is that it's going to lead to a cultural transformation. And that's what we are doing with 30 Minute MBA. It's all about helping companies to redesign their culture, strengthen their culture, and of course, um, giving them the opportunity of educating their people, inspire their people through a mobile learning solution. And that's the, the center of our delivery, if you will. So you can develop your business skills on the go. And can I get an MBA in 30 minutes? Well, we wish, right? <laughs> it's rather that you can learn something like you, you can lead better, perform better, communicate better within 30 minutes. The whole point with 30 Minutes MBA is to make knowledge actionable and memorable. When we remember something and we act upon it, that's when we, we can change, right? And that's how we grow. So that's the, what the, uh, the platform enables. And um, tell me, tell us a little bit more, especially for those entrepreneurs who are watching this show or listening to the podcast. Uh, can you tell us uh, how you built uh, 30 Minutes MBA? Like, uh, what was the process of building it? I, I, I heard that you, you, you were using design thinking methods. Tell us a bit more about it. Yes, of course. Yes, huge fan of design thinking. Uh, and um, it's been uh, become a topic I actually uh, travel around speaking about. Basically, design thinking means that you are customer-centric. And it's two parts of design thinking that is really uh, essential. One is living as a customer, and one is co-creating with the market. So in our case, we, we knew that we wanted to build something that actually made a difference. Mm-hmm. And we knew that the purpose of the company, empowering individuals to reach their full potential and change the workplace for the better, especially for the high achievers, that was a fundamental aspect of the company. But we wasn't sure exactly how do these people live? What's their, what's their challenges? What's, what, what are they excited about? And all of that. So what we decided to do right from the get-go was to invite customers in. And be part of the product and business development and showing them, you know, pieces of paper on the wall with an idea of an app and then asking them, what do you think happens here? What would you love to see here? And um, at this stage, we have had 500 people being part of product development. Um, And it's really, it's funny. I I spoke to a design thinking expert a couple of years ago and she said, you know, Therese, you build your entire company based on those principles, you know, co-designing with the market and living as a customer. And it was funny because it's so ingrained in our culture that we do that. Uh, Lean is great, but design thinking, um, I believe, is even more important, especially for startups. So you design something that the market not just wants, but loves. And of course, that's a process. Uh, But that's how we decided to do it. So, um, uh, and we keep doing this now. Um, uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not part of our daily life, but almost, at least weekly lives. Uh, you know, when I'm listening to you, I'm wondering, is it also, I mean, the fact that you're based in Stockholm and, you know, it's a city I love and I'm wondering, is it also like a technique, this way of building your business, did it resonate better there than maybe in other places, like to be able to engage, you know, the potential customers or users directly in the building of your like co-building, co-creating. This co-everything uh, resonates a lot with the culture that I know over there. So I'm wondering what's so special about being an entrepreneur over there and, it, and did it help, you know, build your company, your product that way? 
Right. Yeah. So when it comes to, well, I can talk a lot about Stockholm and I'm going to get into that in a moment. But in regards to design thinking, uh, I wouldn't say that that's a typical Swedish thing. Uh, I would yeah. say that that's more of a mindset, just as we can live with uh, being happy or negative. We can live with applying design thinking into our companies or not. It's, it doesn't need to be you know, a daunting task either. It's just a matter of starting co- to communicate with your customers or your fans or the people that you believe uh-huh. will really benefit from whatever you're doing. So that's just the fundamentals there. In our case, no, I wouldn't say that Stockholm um, uh, enabled that per se. I would rather say that uh, Stockholm is, of course, a fantastic startup place. But for us, uh, it was important to to build a company from a different angle. There is so much great things out there, but they never hit the market. And mm-hmm. you know, I've been in this space for 15 years, actually almost 16 now, time flies. And um, as a startup mentor, coach, advisor, keynote speaker, and of course, founder myself. And I work with so many startups that I missed this. So when it came to founding 30 Minutes MBA and now later the Brilliant Academy, it was really important to me and then my team to have a close collaboration with the market. Stockholm is great for many reasons, but I wouldn't say that Stockholm enables design thinking per se. (laughs) Um, But in regards to Stockholm, do you want to talk about Stockholm already, huh? (laughs) Get right into it. Um, um, just a quick question. You talk about high achievers, and I see this in your in your communication for already a certain amount of time. Uh, can you tell us what it is? Like, uh, who are those high achievers? What, why is that concept uh, so special about you know the the way you're you're talking and targeting users? Mm, well, first of all, I'm talking to fellow how how uh, high achiever here, so uh, I'm sure you can relate to it. But in short, the there's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of things out there for the masses, and that serves a purpose for sure. But what we found, especially with talking to fellow founders, journalists, thought leaders, executives, was that there is almost nothing for people that are high achievers. High achievers means that they have a great drive and they are really engaged and passionate about what they do. They usually live with purpose and they are on a mission, regardless if you are in the company or not. So we wanted to make sure that we started to focus on the high achievers, to be the champions of the high Mm -hmm. achievers, basically, but also design content and communities for these people specifically. Because, as I said, there is a lot of stuff out there. But when you are in the crossroad or when you are looking to develop yourself and, you know, you have a specific lifestyle, it's usually high paced, Uh it's demanding, it's exciting, it's challenging, all of everything at the same time it's not that clear where you turn you might have great friends you might have a mentor but if you want an outside perspective where do you turn but also if you if you spend some time on youtube where do you go Mm -hmm. so all of that combined was the foundation of okay we want to take a greater stand for for the high achievers to be the champions of the high achievers and also educating companies through 30 minutes bay that High achievers, these are the people that truly care about what you do. You don't want to attract the people that don't really care, that treat your company as ATM. You want to attract the people that feel ownership, that are passionate, excited, and share the values and mission of your company. 
But all of this is not just something that happens. It's something that you need to design and it's something that you need to be elaborate about. So that's basically the the reason why we decide that, hang on, there's a lot of amazing high achievers out there. Who is there for them? Okay, we, mm-hmm. we, we, we got it. Of course, there's more other um, people out there for that, but we want to be part of that movement because the, the high achievers, uh, we believe, are the change makers of our society. Uh, very inspiring. Uh, of course, I can relate to this. And uh, when talking to you, you know, I feel, again, a high achiever myself. Good. I know you, you are. Really? I know you. <laughs> You, 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 you recently launched uh, Be Brilliant Academy. Uh, so you call it a sister brand of 30 Minutes MBA. Can you tell us more about it, please? Yes, of course. So as I mentioned, 30 Minutes MBA is all about empowering companies to strengthen and redesign their culture. And the 30 Minutes MBA mobile learning platform is only available for companies. But over the years, also specifically when I'm on the road, speaking to people all over the place, People keep asking, can I get it? And we're like, we would love to, but not right now, maybe later. Um, Or you can get it through your company, but that's a little bit more of a process. So going back to this idea of being the champions of the high achievers, we recognize that everything comes back to them. But high achievers, of course, are also very action oriented. They don't like waiting around. So then we looked at, okay, we can't make 30 minutes a day available to the public. What can we do? What can we do that have the same purpose and value system as 30 Minute MBA that supports the high achievers in a different way? And that was basically the foundation of Brilliant Brilliant Academy. The Brilliant Academy is basically um, actionable, on-demand courses, uh, utilizing e-learning. It's focused heavily on video and um, being actionable for, uh, for the people that go through it. And... The first course uh, was, is called uh, How to Build a Purpose-Driven Startup from Spark to Product Within Four Weeks. And we actually, speaking of co-creation, we actually uh, did this course with a community college last year. And we took 35 music students that have, some of them were a bit entrepreneurial. Some of them had never even heard the term entrepreneurship. So we took them from this, they had some kind of spark, some kind of interest within specifically the music industry. It's a two-year education. It's taught online, and uh, it's by uh, DMG Education. Great, uh, great company. And um, so I was asked to, to teach these people entrepreneurship. And in the end of a four-week period, these people, I barely didn't even know what entrepreneurship was, was pitching in front of a senior jury that I put together with angels and experts and, and thought leaders, and they showed them an MVP. Four weeks! So we decided that, okay, this is great. It's awesome to see these people grow, but we, we really need to put together something for other people, especially if you're coming from the corporate world and you want to start something for your own, or if you are an intrapreneur and you're looking for how, how does the entrepreneurs do it? What's the process? How do, they, how do they bring these great companies to market? This is basically what that course is about. Um, and then our, um, our course that is coming up is within lifestyle design, how to thrive as a high achiever, how to design your lifestyle more in line with your values, your body clock, stuff like that. Um, but those are just the two first ones. But that's the, the background of why we decided to, to launch the Brilliant Academy. 
that's amazing. I, you know, I want to, I want to join it. Like I need to learn all those things that you're describing, like, especially this, I'd say lifestyle design. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you do that with yourself? Yes. Yes. For years. I'm, um, I'm a maximizer. Uh, it's one of my strengths, but that basically means that excellence, not average is my measure. And this comes back to everything, you know, so I maximize my food <laughs> and, you know, my water intake, stuff like that to, um, uh, to how I sleep, how, when I work, where I work, um, the people I surround myself with, how I live in line with my values, being a, you know, positive giver is one of them and being a connector, of course, which you also are, it's a way to practice being a positive giver, right? You give back to the community, you give to people, and you, um, you create magic together. So it's something I've been um, using myself for, for years, as long as I can remember, actually. Uh, but the more I learned about the topic and understanding, oh, how does willpower works? Oh, how does vulnerability works? Oh, if you live in line with your purpose, your, your personal purpose, not just the company. Oh, what, what does that do to you? Body clock. If you're a morning person, working nights is a bad idea and vice versa. All of that is combined in the course. Uh, and um, when you start to do this more full out, it's, it enhances your lifestyle for sure. And more importantly, it makes you get more out of your time and your day. And you're more excited because you're not tired or stressed or overwhelmed, which is another side, of course, of being a startup CEO sometimes. Uh, that's super interesting and uh, that ties pretty well with my next question I um, so you've been bootstrapping uh, from day one like I and correct me if I'm wrong but you haven't raised funds so far uh, why is it right yes so um, I was in a panel uh, like two years ago talking about this specifically so this topic we can talk about for two hours but let's yeah, well, I know <laughs> So the, the brief uh, expression or the brief explanation is that, uh, yes, we're bootstrap and self-funded. There's pros and cons with bringing in external money. Um, mm. And we, it's really important for you as a founder or a founding team to agree on this. Why are you building your company? What is it that you're trying to achieve? And what's the timeline? Is this something that you want to do for a couple of years and then sell it or have someone else take over? Or, you know, what's the reason why you're doing it and what's your own goal with it? For me, it was always about, you know, I, at the time when I started 30 Minutes MBA, I already been uh, an entrepreneur for like 12 years, I think. Um, so the lifestyle wasn't new. I've worked a lot, as, a, as I mentioned before, um, advisor, mentor, speaker, coach, all of that. and. I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly and um, the possibilities with it, but also the challenges with it. And for me, it doesn't mean that we might not ever bring in external money, but it's important if we do, that it's not connected to a timeline, that it's more evergreen and that the people that we bring in, and this is the same actually with our team members and our advisors, that everyone shares the same vision, the same values, and actually want to change how the workplace is looking because our vision is ambitious. And as I mentioned in the beginning, 15% are engaged in their work globally. We need to change it. We need to change it like yesterday. But in order to do that, we need to be in it for the long run. And that can be a little bit harder if you bring in uh, a lot of early money. So that's, that was the decision that I made early on. And um, um, I, I think also it's, 
Okay, I will ask my question as I have it. You know, it's if I tell you that events, if if I tell you that events were a core part of your strategy, including staying self-funded, would you agree and why? Right. I I would say that connecting and building long meaningful relationships is a key. It's a key to to enjoy what you're doing and both living as a giver, but also grow as a business. Events and conferences is an excellent way of doing that. And you can meet like-minded people that you never met before and that wouldn't be accessible to you otherwise because we are so damn busy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at events, we are usually a little bit more open for it. We invite these connections more because it's easier. We are out of our normal element. Um, but the other thing, of course, is also to, to find partners, to find customers and reconnect with, with friends and fellow founders and high achievers. Because as I said before, we don't have a lot of platforms today to connect with fellow high, high, uh, high tiers. So all of that, yes. I wouldn't say it necessarily is only due to our bootstrap. I think that going to events and conferences, uh, especially, well, you need to have a strategy for it. But as long as you have that, it's beneficial regardless if you bootstrap or if you uh-huh. have a lot of money. It's just different different reasons why you do. Um, but yes, for me, it's been important and it continues to be important for sure. I go to the, you know, uh, that you are an amazing even hacker. Like this is one of the terms we use here at Startup Sesame. Reason being that you always manage to be uh, in the right place at the right time, you know, sort of get in, which is not always easy. So how do you do it? Do you have any tips for people who are watching or listening to this? Yes. Uh, so first of all, uh, I need to mention here that we actually are releasing a full video on this one on June 13 on our YouTube channel, uh, how you prepare um, for an event, how you get more out of it and how you finish it. So I can't give that entire video because it's like a 10, 15 minute one. So the short version right here and now, um, and this is under, by the way, 30 Minute MBA's brand on YouTube, um, is that you... Event hacker is a great, great term. Um, I think it's about, it's similar to lifestyle design. You're looking at what's your strengths, what's your, um, what's your passions and how can you act upon it? And then you, you look for ways to hack it, if you will. When it comes to events, for me as an extrovert and as a speaker, it's kind of my element. So just being there, um, makes me super enthusiastic and super passionate and, and excited. Uh, and it's also a possibility to meet new people. But in regards to tips, I would say it's everything from uh, having a clear strategy on which events you're going to, um, but also knowing that you need to be open for for who anyone that comes comes along. I know that there's a follow up question on this one, so I don't yeah. want to drop the term yet. But um, that's where I'm, I'm leading to. It's being an event hacker, if you will, is connected to this other secret term. that uh, Come on, let, drop it, drop it. Like, I, I want to know about serendipitous networking. <laughs> this is the term we're talking about. So, yes, and, yes. And it was so funny because that, that is one of the the conversation like we had uh, together at uh, one of those events, uh, like a longer one. And we were, I think, both doing not a PhD, but like a lot of research and reading about yeah. the theme of yeah. how do you practice networking like business networking and that there is an, an actual category inside it where you um you talk about serendipity as a way to network uh, yeah. tell us more uh, what is it and why do you practice it 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Yes, so being an event hacker is part of that is to invite serendipity into your experience, into your conference. And a couple of things there. So number one, um, before you go to any event, this is something I learned really early on, um, when I started my company when I was 17, um, not 30 Minute MBA, we haven't been around <laughs> yet, but my other company, my Mashwick Consultancy company. And I learned that when, it, when you look at events, you need to look at it as a whole. You can't just evaluate one event independently of another. But my experience is that a third of the events you go to will be great short term. You will get the thing that you're there for. You will reach that goal. You will meet these people. You will get that piece of information or whatever. A third of events will be great long-term. And this is about investing in relationships, by giving back, by connecting people, by being present, showing up. That's a huge thing when it comes to networking. Just showing up, be there, is crucial. But then a third of events, if we look at the whole, they can be a waste of time or they can be a learning experience. So, And you don't always know what's what, but you need to be aware of this when you go into networking that you can't just expect every event being, you know, perfect, that you're getting value out of it, you know, the next moment or the next day. It's not how it works. It's a, this is a long game and it's something that goes on for, for decades sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm asked on occasion, you know, how did you build your network? I was like, yeah, I invested in it for 10 years. I invested a third of my time uh, in building relationships, giving back and trying to add value to people's lives from stage and as an advisor and all of that. And then that created the, the foundation of where we are today. But just because I did it for 10 years doesn't mean that I could just slack off now. You know, it's, it's part of your lifestyle. Um, so that's one thing to know. But in regards to how do you invite serendipity into your life, I would say number one is, of course, to make sure that you are seeking out conferences that aligns with um, your value system, what's important to you, your goals. If you're looking to, to raise money, being in a corporate event might not make any sense. While if you're looking for a corporate client, corporate events could be great. You know, that's just logic. But when it comes to uh, actually being open for serendipity, the way I do it is that I block time for it. I literally put 
you know, block in my calendar for X amount of hours. This is always evenings, by the way, uh-huh. um, evenings and nights. And um, uh, then I, I allow myself to be open for whatever comes that way. It might be uh, several dinners, there might be mingles, there might be other things, but being available, coming back to showing up and then blocking time for it, inviting it and seeking out opportunities. As you know, and I'm sure you have talked about this a lot, when it comes to events, preparation is huge. You need to really prepare and you can't prepare completely for serendipity, but you can definitely prepare to get a lot out of, out of an event. There's been events. I remember one time, I think this was Barcelona two or three years ago. I ended up going to nine events in one night. So that's, I think, another thing that sometimes people overlook that it's hard work and it's not, you don't just go there to party. You go there to connect with people, make memories, having conversations, because some of these people you're not really meeting for, for a little while. So it's important to take the opportunity to be present as well. You know, don't be your phone and, you know, check Facebook while you're communicating to someone. Be present and be curious about his or her uh, world or what they're working on. Um, and then, of course, being, being curious and being someone that you like, other people's likes to be around. And the way to do that is if you're just positive, open, curious, warm, charismatic is another term for all of that, but that can be learned. Um, that, of course, also invites new opportunities. It invites connection to others, and people want to be around you. They feel that there is, there is something there. Mm-hmm. I remember one time, uh, this is, uh, was a slush in Helsinki, and a good friend of mine, a journalist, I saw firsthand how, um, how he was chased, literally chased. Mm-hmm. We were walking from the hotel bar to the cab, and we were going for dinner, and people out of nowhere you know, slush, you know, it's, it's in November, it's cold and dark. The, the conference is awesome, but still, it's, it's not the most um, sunny city during that time of the year. So it's dark out, it's cold, and, you know, it's a very short walk from the hotel lobby to, to the cab. And out of nowhere, there are people coming and running towards this journalist and us that are, are coming along for this dinner. And they are trying to pitch him. They're trying to get his attention and force him to write about them. Of course, this is the complete opposite of how you should build a relationship. But what's fascinating to me is that this is a practice that people are actually using. It's a horrible strategy. (laughs) And of course, this is something that journalists see a lot, sometimes investors too, and, and other connectors and thought leaders, speakers also. But the, the thing here is that being open and taking initiative and going up to people and speaking to them, that's great. But coming up, grabbing someone's arm, and then it's like, okay, um, we're doing this, write about me. That's a really bad way of connecting, and that's, a really, that's not how you do serendipitous networking for sure. Um, one more thing I want to mention, touring. Um, I think this is something that is sometimes overlooked, the importance of touring. So you talked about that the people you interview in this show, they are all, um, they attend events yeah. as part of their, their work or their lifestyle. And touring is key. 
Because what touring between different conferences allows you to do is both to meet different people, even if it's just a brief moment, sometimes five, ten minutes, but you share experiences together in different environments. And that really um, brings people closer together. And when you do this, it's, it invites more serendipity into that. Because some, some person you might have met in, in Milan or Venice two years ago, suddenly this person shows up on this other conference. Mm-hmm. This conference has 15,000 people. Of the 15,000 people, who will you start to talk to? Probably the person you met once. Um, and this, but I also found that it really deepens relationships and it bonds people together. So that's another thing that I would say that when you look at events, number one, don't look at them um, independently. Don't evaluate just one event and expect everything to be, you know, sunny and uh, roses. And second of all, uh, consider how you can combine it with touring. And it doesn't mean that you need to be on the road like a rock star all the time. It's nice, but you don't have to. Uh, But it's rather thinking about when you look at the year, um, how can these things be tied together? And will there be people you want to meet um, at one conference and then another conference? That's a really great way of uh, connecting with people and inviting more serendipity into your network. I think that's, I mean, the the term touring applied to, to this uh, to be honest, I, I believe that's the first time I hear someone else, you know, using it. Uh, yeah, uh, and yeah, that's what we 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 preach, right? We we here at Sesame, we we talk a lot about okay, how can you make better, smarter decision around your even strategy? And part of it is that you just can't go to one or two events. You need to be cautious in terms of not going to too many, etc. Like I'm not saying, oh, you have to be on tour the entire year. Yeah. But the way to maximize your investment in your efforts is to actually dedicate a period of time that makes sense even in terms of your roadmap to spend time going to events, building those connections and uh, getting, you know, everything that you just described, it makes a lot of sense from, from our point of view. And right now we're about to get into... Uh, it's already starting, right? The one of the peak of the year in terms of events, and and of course you will see those people uh, at several of those conferences, and maybe you didn't see them for six months, but now you have the opportunity to re-engage and re-strengthen those relationships that down the line uh, makes a lot of our work easier to do, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, how many events do you do per uh, on average per year? Oh, wow. That varies a lot. But I spend about six months on the road. Um, since I'm a keynote speaker, I do a lot of uh, conferences and events. So, um, But yeah, it's, it's hard to say. And also, how do you define an event? Uh-huh. If you go to a conference and then attend like 15 events at the conference, is that 16 things or is it one? Um, but I would say that, yeah, spending uh, about six months or more on the road, uh, of course, invites a lot of events and, mm-hmm. and conferences. What sure. are your favorite? What are your favorite ones? Yes, this is a great question. <laughs> um, I think that it depends. Again, it depends on what you're looking for, and it also depends on uh, the time of the year. One thing on touring there is that I found there is a conference in. Um, in Barcelona in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite conference for multiple reasons. However, it's a great conference to attend because it usually kicks off the year. So, of course, there's two other conferences in January and they are a little bit more high, um, high influence. But the one in Barcelona or the two in Barcelona at the same time really brings the community together. So if you can, 
looking at when you're planning out your events, also where does the community go and the people you want to connect with? Where, how can you kick off your conference year, if you will, uh, from that perspective? But in regards to events that I think are great, uh, I think Kinternet, uh, which is an on-conference invite-only uh, community in different cities, uh, that's really awesome. And it's all about co-creating the conference together and um, just spending quality time with thought leaders from around the world. It's one of them. Um, I do love Slush. I've been to Slush, I think, four or five times, which is really rare for someone like me that does keep coming back. Um, Pioneers, I think, are doing a great job in Vienna. Uh, TechCrunch Disrupt, when it was in London a couple of years ago, uh, was incredible. Um, I think the content they put up on stage is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is massively valuable. Um, you can really see and feel that they are uh, great journalists. Um, but there's also other conferences like HR Vision, uh, which is a smaller conference in Amsterdam. Um, and um, that basically brings together uh, learning and development and uh, HR people um, from throughout Europe. It's, um, it's different. Uh, another thing with events is that just because you have attended it once doesn't mean that the following year will be incredible. Um, mm-hmm. It can be, but it's not a given. Um, but another thing I would say is events in events. We talked about that already with serendipity. You know, part of the experience, and this is, of course, important for people to understand, you go to the conference and then you go to everything in the evenings and nights. So it's long days. And some of these events they don't necessarily always have a formal name or, you know, someone is organizing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you did a de- uh, dinner. In, well, I'm sure you do dinners all the time, but one in dinner in particular in, um, in Barcelona where you brought together a conference organizer from all over Europe and journalists and founders. And, you know, those moments are so precious. And um, I'm really grateful for the people that are, are organizing these events because it's a way to bring us closer together and really have time to connect and exchange experiences and talk about the real stuff like yeah, being uh-huh. in this world is amazing, but it's challenging. Um, and creating those platforms is really valuable. And I think that's another thing that you're doing a great job with, bringing people together through, through dinners, but also, of course, allowing startups to tour, uh, which is quite a gift. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I have one, one more question. Um, what would you like to see more during events? Uh, I think like right now you gave us uh, a glimpse. Uh, maybe you would like to see more uh, events, like smaller events within events where you can have a, a more creative relation and have the time to to talk about each other and for real person that are behind what we do in terms of professional life. Um, so what would you like to see more uh, at events? And also I'm wondering... Um, that's a question I already asked a few to several of our guests uh, in this show is, do you think we will still go to conferences and events in five years or 10 years from now and why? Okay. So let's start with the uh, second question. Yes, of course. Um, I think meeting people in person, connecting with people and spending quality time is just going to be more and more important. Um, yes, the internet is connecting us and it allows us to do things we couldn't do before, which is amazing. However, the human interaction is still key. It's still what drives society. So absolutely. But in regards to what I would like to see more of, you know, in one of my talks, specifically in design thinking, I'm using uh, an example of how a traditional or, or just a yeah, traditional evening event is organized. Mm-hmm. And 
it's not uh, connected to a conference per se, but imagine it's 6 p.m., you are arriving to this event, you've been looking forward to it for, you know, weeks, there's a speaker and there's cool people and your friends and, you know, you're going to have a blast. And it's, uh, let's say it's less than 100 people. You arrive, 6 p.m., you try, you might be a little bit hungry, but the first thing that, that they give you is champagne. And then you are like, okay, that's nice. And you're mingling around for a little bit. Then the keynote starts. And at this point, from an energy level, you're hungry. And you might even be tired because you didn't have food before you had champagne. So even if you've been looking forward to see this speaker for, you know, for weeks, you have a hard time concentrating. And depending on the speaker, it might be someone that can still engage you. But from a, from a biological perspective, it's harder for you. Then after the keynote, the speaker might be around and, you know, you're excited to connect with him or her. But now is the time when they serve you food. So you're already tired. Now you're starving. So you just, you know, ignore everything else and you go and you have food. And you stand in your corner to eat, to get some kind of energy into your body. And then you're like, okay, I'm tired now because, you know, I had the food coma because you had too much because you were too hungry. So you're like, you're saying hi to your friends and then you leave early. Okay, this is how most events are organized, and it's poorly organized. Um, so if we just take the example of how can we apply design thinking to this little scenario? Mm-hmm. So one, uh, one suggestion here is to, number one, if you serve food right when um, people arrive, number one, they will most likely be there in time. But also, it allows them to, to have that you know, a little bit more quiet time right in the beginning before everyone has bonded and seen the speaker. Because, of course, being at an event, especially if you're not an extrovert, can be a little bit challenging to connect with people. So you need to have something to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, the organizer serves you food. You have some food. You enjoy that for like 30 minutes. Then you sit down. And while you're sitting down, the food is being digested. You feel the energy and you're excited and you can focus on the speaker. You can ask interesting questions. You talk to your neighbor, you know, you're fired up. And then at the end of the talk, you're really energized by the topic and you are ready to mingle. And at this point, they either serve you coffee or champagne or wine, which is a lot more suitable for a mingle after the talk. And of course, in this scenario, um, especially if the speaker have done a great job, you will be staying there. You won't just talk to your friends. You will seek out new people. You will talk to the speaker. You will talk to other people. You discuss the topic and you might stay there for hours and make connections you never have done otherwise. This is something I'm missing from a lot of conference organizers. They are, the intentions are good, but it's quite often too generic. And it's this carbon copy of a bad model that isn't set up for us to actually be able to perform mm-hmm. our Yes, there's ways to get around that. You can bring like a protein shake as I do. But come on, why don't we just do this better for everyone so they can get more out of the event, uh, enjoy the organizer more, enjoy the speaker more, enjoy the conversations more. And it's, there's literally no difference than just looking at it from the customer's perspective. Mm-hmm. So I would say when it comes to the big conference, the same thing. How do you greet your uh, people? How do you treat them when they check in? Do they treat them like family or someone that you're happy to see? Or are they just one other person in the line? All of these small things make a difference. And it makes a difference in loyalty and engagement. And, of course, how people react to your conference and other people around you. 
we're so affected by our environment a lot more than we think. This is another topic I talk about uh, under workplace engagement and the future of work and how we need to redefine the, the workplace from multiple angles. And the thing is that you as an organizer have the possibility of setting people up in a way so they are super fired up. And this is not just a speaker's job. You can do this just by working with colors, with with sound, with smell, but of course also how people greet them. And I think that slush, especially, uh, I remember one year, they were really awesome at this. They are meeting people at the airport and you can check in and they are greeting you with a smile. And even if slush now is 15,000 plus, you don't suffer from that because they have thought about the initial Uh experience. That's just one example. But of course, there's a lot of things to talk about here. But I would say... Yes, there's a lot of things that you can improve to make the experience easier for people to connect. Because at the end of the day, that's why we, we go there, right? To connect with other humans. Thank you. Uh, is there anything we can do to help you? With Be Brilliant Academy, maybe? Uh, all right. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, first of all, um, I'm really... Um, I'm really honored to have been part of Startup Sesame and, uh, you know, to be on your show and to, to talk to you and just hang out. That's great. So um, number one is to keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> um, in regards to, um, of course, I'm a keynote speaker. So people that are looking for, you know, people, uh, speakers on future work, how to design a thriving business culture and how to work with design thinking innovation. Yes, I'm gamed. <laughs> and okay. I'm a Um <clears throat> But we also do, as I mentioned here with the Be Brilliant Academy, we have designed a specific uh, gift code uh, for your fans and uh, your family. Um, so if you want to try out the first course, how to build a purpose-driven startup from Spark to product within four weeks, um, we will um, we'll provide that for you so you can get a discounted price on it. So sharing that with people that you think could really benefit from it, corporate accelerators, high achievers, change makers, even serial entrepreneurs can actually um, learn a thing or two. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Therese, for your time today. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for joining us in this uh, new episode of Tech Events Matter. The video will be available on Facebook and we will soon publish the podcast of the interview. And I see you uh, next week in Amsterdam. Yes, the next web. And the next web. Uh, remember, Tech Events Matter. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 